Hey guys, standing right behind me here is a British Royal Guardsman. That's the guys who guard the Queen, and their job is to stand there, completely undistracted, no matter what. So their rules say that they're not allowed to move unless somebody poses a threat to them or the queen. So I should be able to pretty much do anything and he's gonna do this. See if we can get him to move, maybe get him to crack up. I don't know, let's see. Guess what? Guess what? Hey. You're letting me get really close, aren't you? Whoa. That hat's amazing. It looks like you're wearing a, uh, some kind of animal on your head. Do you talk like this? Do you talk like this? This guy's really, really good. <laughs> Whoa. Do you eat blood pudding? Do you eat blood pudding? Because that sounds really disgusting. Pudding with blood in it? Ew. Am I irritating you? Do you find this irritating? I'm gonna tickle you! I'm gonna tickle you right here. Tickle, tickle, tickle. Hello, how are you today? Would you like a crumpet? You guys don't celebrate the 4th of July, do you? Hello, what's up with you today? Okay, this guy's incredible. There's no way I'm ever gonna make him crack. Hey, you're awesome, man. High five, you're the man. Uh, see, he's good. So, uh, I give up, he wins. There's no way I'm gonna distract the British Royal Guardsman. So, oh well. We're talking about being focused today and I don't know, but that would be pretty hard to stand there, someone all up in your face acting crazy. But I did a little research on this and they're actually allowed to break that intense stance. If they feel threatened, provoked, or there's safety issues. I mean, one guy actually lowered his rifle and goes, stand back for the Queen's Guards! I was like, whoa, they actually do jump into action because they're not just security guards. They're actually uh, selected out of uh, the British infantry and a lot of them have combat experience, so they don't play. <laughs> But this, I love this video, it's funny. I mean, I've never really been much into uh, the British culture or any of the royal life and everything, you know, apart from Monty Python, that's about it. That's about as far as I'd go. <laughs> but now in the news, you got uh, Prince Harry and Meghan where he's like renouncing his royaltiness or whatever and gonna come live to America. I'm like, what in the world? That's just crazy. And along the lines of all this, my wife got me hooked into uh, Netflix series, The Crown. So I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm hooked into that now. But all these distractions, uh, thinking about these guys that they go through and how they stay focused. It really reminded me of a time where I had something kind of similar happen to where when I was in college, I was in the Reserve Officer Training Corps. It's uh, like training to go into the military in college. And we spent about 14 hours one day just being punished. I mean, the running, the push-ups, the, the, the mind-boggling exercises and just trying to get under your skin. And at the end of this long day, it's dark. We're all exhausted, just tired, just ready for things to be over. And one of the other cadets did the unthinkable. All of a sudden, he yawns. This huge yawn. I mean, giant, gaping, cake hole-sized yawn. And one of the drill instructors runs over and goes, you better close that mouth. You'll make a caveman homesick. And I just started laughing. <laughs> and he's like, can I spank you? Do you find that funny? Sir, yes, sir. 
oh, you do find it funny. I, I couldn't, couldn't lie. So he ran over to somebody else. He's like, do you find it funny also? Sir, yes, sir. He's all right. I find it funny too. Like, man, that was close. That was close. But it's so easy to get distracted in those moments that something that's not maybe bad or terrible, it's easy to pull us off track. What are some things that we're easily distracted by today? I want to I hear you shout some things out. What do you get distracted by? Some fun things. Facebook. Facebook. What else? Television. Television. What's that? Cell phones. Cell phones. Motorcycles. Motorcycles. Yeah, man, it's so cold, but yeah. <laughs> Work. These are all things that could distract us easily. I mean, you could pick up your phone, getting ready to make a, a phone call. The next thing you know, you're scrolling on Instagram. Then you're like, oh, what do I, oh yeah, 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 I'm supposed to make that call. Easy to do that kind of stuff. I mean, I think it's kind of funny that if we could time travel back like to the 50s, we would have some explaining to do. We'd have to explain to people that in this device we have in our pocket, we could access all the world's known information from this device. But we use it to argue with strangers and watch cat videos. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but we get distracted so easily and we want to stay focused. It's like Netflix. I mean, it's like a bag of chips. Can you eat just one chip out of the bag? To me, it's kind of like sitting down saying you're just going to watch one episode of The Office and another one and another one. It's like, well, I didn't mean to watch two or whatever. But it's not always the fun things that distract us. It could be negative things, like physical pain. Nothing distracts quite like that. It's, it's just physical pain just screams for your attention, doesn't it? Whether it's back pain or a headache or pain somewhere in your body. And I started counting it up. I have broke, I think it's 11 bones in my body in the last 50 years. And I say 50, 50, not 15. In the last 50 years where it's been, I've had this leg broke, I've had that leg broke. It's either from skiing or motocross. I've broken ribs. I mean, just from dumb stuff. And pain really distracts. It takes your focus off of whatever you're supposed to do. Another thing that really distracts is financial burden. I mean, if you've been there to where you're like, I don't know how in the world we're gonna make it through this month. Or you're like, I don't even know how I'm gonna make it through this week. Some of you today might be like, I don't know how I'm making it through today. And I was gonna say that, that kind of burden really eats your lunch, but if you had money, you, never mind, I won't go there. <laughs> You'd have money for lunch. But financial burden can really get you so distracted on what you're supposed to be focused on. Try to walk in faith in those areas. Be a tither, be a giver. Trust God in those areas. We've already given, taken up the offering, so relax. Be a tither and giver. And trust God to do something in those areas in ways that we never could. The other thing that can weigh on us really heavy and distract us is emotional heaviness. Whew! That feels like a ton of bricks on your back. I don't know about you, but emotional heaviness, maybe you have an unresolved conflict somewhere with somebody. Or it's maybe been a death of someone close to you. I mean, you wake up in the middle of the night and it's right there. You wake up first thing in the morning and it's right there. I mean, those things could really distract and just be so in front of your eyes and wear you down 
more than running a triathlon. Just weighs you down. But we gotta get focused. I wanna look at our notes as we dive in today because you might be thinking, well, how could that person have done that to me? How could they have, are they gonna do it again? What's next? What's around the corner? Let all that go today because we're gonna leave here focused. That's my prayer, that we leave here focused. So as in your notes, focus. The center of interest or activity. The state or quality of having or producing clear visual definition. We've got to define what we're going after. We've got to have a roadmap where we're heading. And a distraction, a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. We all know what those are. Those come constantly. But the Bible does tell us what we are supposed to focus on. So I don't know about you, I'm going to dig right into that. It's in your, in your notes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. It's kind of like the icing on the cake. One final thing. Fix your thoughts. I mean, that's locked in. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So when something's just occupying that brain space that's negative, it's like watching TV. You're not going to watch something you don't like. You're going to change the channel. You're not going to sit there and go, I hate this. So why do we do it to ourselves with our own thoughts? Oh, how could they have done that? What's next? What's going to happen now? We got to meditate. It says fix. I mean, that's locked. Fix your thoughts. It's like, what is true? Well, there's some things that are true that are negative, but you're talking about things that are honorable. Right, pure, lovely, admirable. Change the channel. If you don't want to think about it, you have to not think, say, oh, I'm just not going to think about it. It's like saying, don't think about the color blue. And that's all you think about is blue. You have to occupy your mind with something else. So occupy it with true, the honorable, right, and pure, lovely, and admirable things. Change that channel. Now, why is it? Why is it? It's so easy to get so focused and wrapped up on negative things. And I started researching this because I'm like, it can't be just me. It's got to be in general people. I mean, like yeah, good news and bad news. And you remember the bad news that just screams at you. But the good news is kind of like, eh. why does it seem like the bad news screams at you? It says that the negativity bias in this study is a tendency to have greater sensitivity to negative than positive events. Some researchers even say that psychologically speaking, that a negative event will weigh three times more prevalent in your memory than a positive event. Like, well, that's not fair. Why in the world does negative seem to stick like that? And researchers think it's because it's a, like a survival instinct of if something bad happens to you, you right away guard. Because we don't want that to happen again. If something good happens, like, hey, go with the flow. But if something bad happens, we intuitively say, oh, man, you, you, gotta, you gotta think about that and guard yourself but we all know we don't live in a day and age where we have to be so guarded with everything, you know, something's gonna happen to us. Things are pretty chill. So what we end up doing is getting a false reality on our negative experience, like somehow it's gonna take us out. But it does, it weighs more heavy. So what, do we, what can we do? I've got four things here that could help us. Help make these positive things stick more. We want these positive events to be more sticky. Before we jump into notes, I wanna hit these four things. And the first thing is savor the good stuff. When something good happens, I want you to think about it. 
and be like, oh, well, that was cool, even though it was somewhat trivial, but I'm going to remember to savor that. It's kind of like in the middle of an ice storm, and you got to go to the store, and all of a sudden there's a parking spot, like right up front. You're like, oh, that's cool. Savor that. Because you know if it was the negative side of that and you had to walk, you know, from the other side of the lot, you'd remember that. <laughs> you'd be ticked. You're like, man, I'm frozen. I'm soaking wet. I don't want to be here. What in the world? But if it's a positive thing, you just go, oh, all right. Researchers say, kind of meditate on that a second. Think about it. Because they say the negative event will sear itself into your mind instantly. But a positive one, we've got to take roughly 5 to 20 seconds to kind of think about it. You know, take it all in. I mean, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're smelling, and be like, oh, man, this is cool. Let it sink in a little bit more. Make that positive event, even though it's trivial, make it stick. Make it stick. The next thing is to express gratitude. And one way you can express gratitude is by actually making a note. They say take three things that happen in your day, even if they're kind of you know, minuscule or whatever, but they were positives, and write it out and say, okay, this happened. Uh, I'm thankful that this happened. Uh, maybe you're in a hurry for lunch, running out of time, and uh, there's no one else in the drive-thru. Man, that's big when you're in a hurry. You're like, wow, I got right through. Normally, you just go, eh, no big deal. But write it down. That was a cool thing that happened to you. The third thing is tune out for a while. I mean, of the negative. And they say right here in the news business, I found this shocking, they say in the news business, if it bleeds, it leads. They know that negative events attract a greater audience. So that's why when you turn the news, it's all negative, negative, negative. Because they know that negative events draws people's attention far better than any positive stories. So maybe you need to take a fast for 24 hours or 48 hours of, uh, of just media that could be so negative. You know, I mean, stay in touch, that's cool. But I mean, don't dwell in it and just, there's so many things. I mean, you got this virus and this thing going on. It's just, take a break from it. Fourth thing is make accurate judgments. When you make an accurate judgment, really weigh it out, pros and cons. Is this really as life-threatening as it might appear? Or is it really something that I could probably just take care of? I think as Mark Twain said, that uh, he spent most of his life worrying about things in which never happened. We sometimes worry about things that never Mostly, mostly never even happen. But man, it takes up our mind space. Man, it gets us distracted and, and off focus. So those four things are savor the good stuff, express gratitude, tune out of the negative for a while, and, eight, and fourth is make accurate uh, judgments. So let's look in our notes. First thing is remind yourself of the goal. Remind yourself of the goal. A lot of people take inventory first of the year. I'm sure you've had some things you thought about. What's your goal? What is it if you're watching today? What, what is your goal? What is it you're trying to achieve? What is it you're after? Because I believe everybody in here wants something out of where you're at. What's next? What does God have for you? What are you trying to achieve? What are these things that you want to see? Now, just wish that they happen and hope they happen. No! Don't just wish that they happen and hope that they happen because they're not just going to show up. It's kind of like saying I'm going to wish and hope for gas to show up in my car. What, is some gas fairy going to come over and put gas in my car? <laughs> you got to do something, I wish. <laughs> Find that gas fairy for me. But you got to do something. What is it you're wanting to achieve? Stop wishing and hoping for it. Do something. I'll make a list. I'd like to see this this, this, and this happen. 
Okay, those are, those are cool. Okay, what am I doing about each of those things? What am I doing to achieve those things? Because if I don't have action items, some of you in the business world already do this. I mean, if you don't have action items and steps, guess what? It isn't gonna happen. It's not gonna magically just poof, show up. Give yourself deadlines. By next Friday, I'm gonna have accomplished this. And then based on that result, I'm going to do this. And then watch those things that you're going after begin to unfold. And if things go a different direction, chalk it up as, well, God, I guess you got something better for me. Amen. You can't meditate on it and go, well, that didn't work. I tried, I had a goal. <laughs> Allow God the opportunity to change things. Because sometimes things that we want so badly, <laughs> how many times have you got something that you really thought you needed and you didn't? <laughs> We've all been there. God knows we're easily blown off course. It's easy because it's the base thing as human beings that we try to satisfy self. That's a basic thing. You know, I want to be happy, so I do this. This makes me smile, so I'm going to do that. This makes me sad. I'm not going to do that. It's a basic need. But God wants us to live so far above that, beyond just the basic thing that makes us happy. Because, you know, we'd just be chasing our tail. That's a bottomless pit of trying to fulfill self-happiness. I mean, you're like, what else is going to make me happy? What? Oh, that doesn't make me happy. I don't want that. This is, no, I don't want that. I mean, there's no end to that monster. And God knows it. And he has another plan for us. He wants us to walk according to the Spirit and not be out of focus. Let's look at the scripture, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. It says, those who live according to the flesh. That just means... What makes you happy? Yeah, you win all your, 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 base, your baseline of this is easy. Have their minds set on what is flesh, or the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, that's godly things, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is, I didn't write this, is death. I mean, I think some things that are close cousins to death are lethargy, apathy, sadness, depression, all these things that are, are, are cousins to that because it's a part of that death cycle. We have to have our minds set on things that are not the flesh because that's what the result is. But the mind governed by the Spirit, oh, I love this, the mind governed by the Spirit is life. Oh, who wants life? Woo, me. And peace. Oh, give me some of that. Who wants some peace? But we've got to be governed by the Spirit. And it says, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not want to submit to God's law. And I find this interesting. Nor can it do so. You can't even begin to follow God if you're living after the flesh because it says that it's going to be at odds, hostile to God. Those who are in the realm of the flesh can't please God. I mean, Honestly, that's why when you run into someone that's an atheist, that doesn't follow God, doesn't know him, thinks that things of a spiritual nature are just crazy. Because the scripture says that unless they have that renewed spirit, it seems like things of God are just foolishness. That doesn't make sense. Well, of course they're going to think it doesn't make sense because they don't have the same spirit that was Jesus from the dead dwelling inside of them like you do. So we can't expect people to understand. If you're watching today and you're like, I don't understand this whole God thing. Well, I don't understand it all either, but I do know that Jesus died for me. And in him, he's changed my life forever and I'm forever grateful. And that's something that I know is truth for what he's done for me. But we can't please the flesh 
and have a heart after God at the same time because they're at war with each other. You know why? Because we're a three-part being. Let me break this down real quick. You live in a body, right? Tap your body. Tap your spouse. Don't get weird about it. Just tap them. <laughs> live in a body. Now when you got born again, according to John chapter 3, verse 3, it says that unless a man be born again, does not see heaven. So that's scripturally accurate that when you get born again, but your spirit is reborn. And so you ask Jesus in your heart, hey, I got a new body. Oh, wait, no, this is the same. That's, nothing's changed. Yeah, you're right, nothing's changed. That's the flesh. The other part, our soul, that's our mind, our will, and our emotions, things that we think and, 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 uh, and our heart condition, does that get brand new, born again when you ask Jesus? You're like, wait a minute, I still have this baggage from all these negative things from before I knew Christ. Doesn't that just go away? No, it doesn't just go away. I wish it would. You know, because you can beat yourself up pretty good over, over your past. Anybody got a time machine? Anybody? I mean, if you do, I mean, sure, everybody like to use it. I like to use it, change some things, <laughs> some dumb stuff. But we've got to move forward. Got to move forward past these things. But the real you, your spirit on the inside, when you ask Jesus in your heart, that is made brand new. The real you is brand new, your spirit. So what happens is, here you have the other two parts, two-thirds of you are at war with the one part because the two-thirds of the body didn't get renewed. You know, your, your emotions, I mean, sure, you have your mind renewed in Christ. You know, you have to focus on Him daily, but you have all this baggage. So what you have to do is get those two things to line up more of the Spirit on the inside of you, the same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, by casting down those imaginations, by not casting away your confidence, by getting into the Word and praying and putting this body under submission and making this body listen to you and listen to me, there's one good way that can show your body who's boss. And I love this. It's not fun, though. And that's fasting. I'm not doing a message on fasting right now, but I'm telling you, if you want to put your flesh under your thumb and say, I'm the boss of me, I'm going to take care of this shell I live in, and I'm going to tell it, you know, God is bigger than anything that this flesh screams out for. And it puts it in perspective. Now, if you have dietary restrictions, don't go hurting yourself doing something you're not supposed to. But if you can, I'm not going to eat today. I'm just going to focus on God. And I'm going to tell this body, you know, I'm going to make it. I'm going to focus on him. I mean, they say you can live like 40 days without food. I mean, I get really sarcastic. One of my kids was like, Dad, I'm starving. Well, you got another 39 more days before it takes you out. <laughs> Sorry, it's just how I am. And I laughed about it. So we have to take our flesh and put it down and say, I'm in control of this body. If it's going to want to do something that's not pleasing to God, I'm going to say, no. And I practice. Fasting is like practice for telling yourself, I am going to do this and I'm not going to do that. It's a good way to practice. But if we don't, we're just going to end up double-minded. Double-minded is dangerous. It's like, it's like you're, you're over here, you're over here, over here, you're over here. Let's look at the scripture in James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. It says that any of you lacks wisdom. Well, I'll sign up for that right now. I know I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I'm like, God, I need some help. <laughs> I need some wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, I put it in the word just. Just ask God. Just ask him. It's not hard for him who gives generously without finding fault, because we find fault in ourselves, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe 
and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That's a visual for you. Just this way, that way, this way, that way. And the scary part is the person should not expect to receive a few things. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Zip, zilch, nada, nothing. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. We've all been on the fence about something back and forth, back and forth. Maybe it's been something as big as a career change. Oh man, I'm gonna quit my job, I'm gonna go do this. Uh, no, I'm not, no. Yes, I am, no, I'm not, yes. I, uh. Unstable, double-minded. Or it could be, maybe you've had a relationship go sideways, and you're like, I'm gonna sever that relationship. Ah, no, I'm not. Yes, I am, no, I'm not. <laughs> or maybe something a little bit lighter. I'm gonna ride that roller coaster. Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm not. <laughs> or it could be even as simple as setting your alarm in the morning. Man, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to get up at 4.30 in the morning today and, nah. Yes, I am. I'm going to do it. Maybe five. Nah. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We all know we've been back and forth on issues. But that's how we are if we're, un, if we're unstable and double-minded. We can't expect anything from the Lord. And, Maybe you're finally like, I'm going to get serious. I'm going to dig in. I'm going to get focused. I'm going to get determined. And next thing you know, you, you grab your phone and, and you're scrolling or you're on your computer and you're watching YouTube fails and you're laughing. <laughs> or you're scrolling Instagram, distracted. Or, or, I love this, or you're Googling. If a dragon goes to a birthday party, can he blow out his own candles? Mind, mind blown, I don't know. Is it possible? The fire just keeps relighting them. I mean, we can get so distracted on the dumbest things. But God wants us to be focused. The next point, don't lack confidence. Don't lack confidence. Get in the zone. Get focused. When I think about getting focused and getting in that zone, I think about racing. Because I've raced everything from motocross to snowmobiles to cars and man, when you're out there racing, you are in the zone. I mean, your eyes, if you've ever raced anything, it's like you feel like you can outstare a fish. I mean, you don't even blink. <laughs> you're so in that zone. And if you've done any kind of sports, same thing. Even a good book, you can get so into it. Or in a deep time of prayer, you're just so focused. Everything's pushed out. I remember a time when I was on my dirt bike, and, I, and I'm ripping around the track, and got a little distracted in my thoughts, just, I mean, getting a little casual, I don't even remember what it was, flying through the air, and I'm coming down, and all of a sudden I noticed there's a rock, not quite as big as that thing, right, in, right on top of my front, right underneath my front tire, I hit it, it turns the bars, I get poked by the handlebar, I'm laying on the ground, wind knocked out of me, thinking I br busted my ribs up here, and I'm like, oh, man, that's all I could think about, get back on the bike, take back off, I'm hurting, and uh, I could stay there, and focus on that mistake, but I gotta get back in the zone. So today I'm telling you, get back in the zone. Amen. If you've fallen off somewhere, get back in the zone. Get focused. Don't worry about what happened before. Get back up. I wanna ask you today, don't think about those past mistakes. I wanna charge you today, start seeing you the way God sees you, not the way you see you. Because we see ourselves, I mean, we look in the mirror and we're like, I, 
yeah, I'm, I'm a mess. I've, I've done that, I've missed that, I've whatever. I mean, here's my faults, my failures, and it's right in front of your face. The cool thing is, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus if you've asked Christ in your life. He sees a son. He sees perfection when he sees you. He doesn't see all the garbage that you know about. You can say, God, I mean, I just can't stop thinking about, you know, this or that. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You walk free from those things. When I see you, I just see my perfection. I see my son reflected in you to me because he's pure and just. And that's all he sees. So we can't look at our own mistakes. Know that he's washed us through all those things because we have that filter, that lens of, I made a lot of mistakes, so that means I'm a failure. I've had a lot of success, so I'm a success. We do that to ourselves. We gauge ourselves based on how we're doing. And God's just looking at you going, I see the reflection of my son Jesus, and you're awesome. We can be experts at beating ourselves up. Don't disqualify yourself. I'd like to have you look at your notes. Don't disqualify yourself. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. Brothers, I do not consider what I have, I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward towards what lies ahead. I press towards the goal. What's your goal? Press towards it. It's not going to happen by itself. You have to press towards the goal. And continuing on, straining for what lies ahead. That means you're working. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, you want to press forward, press forward. But as you do, you're like, oh, but I'm so imperfect. I want to, I want to take you somewhere real quick. Imagine, whether you have kids or not, I want you to imagine being a parent. I mean, a loving mom or dad. And you find out your four-year-old wants to take this coloring book and just make his coloring page for you. They go in the room and you're like, oh, that's cool. And they're coloring away. You walk by a little bit later, you peek in the room and they're busy coloring. Like, oh, all right. Walk back by again and you see them struggling. They look kind of downcast. He's crying. Why is he crying? He's just coloring a book. So you walk in his room and What's going on? Why, why are you crying? And the little guy, you're going to be so upset. Why? You're going to be just so disappointed in me. You're going to, don't hurt me. What? Hurt you? What? Are you kidding? You're going to be so disappointed. You're, you're, don't punish me. Don't. Don't abandon me. What are you talking about? I love you. This is crazy. Come here. What's the deal? Yeah? I colored all outside the lines. And, and, and you're not going to like it. Oh, buddy, come on. I love you. You're awesome. It's okay. Shake it off. Go and finish. And God's that way with us. We come to God that loves us with everything that's within him. And we're saying, God, I've lived my life outside of these lines. And, and you're going to be so disappointed. You're going to be, you're going to just reject me. And just like that 
good parent. He's like, no, I love you. Here's a new page. Start over. I give you another start. And that's what he does. But we just focus on, oh, in my life, I got so many things that are outside the lines that hey, it's, it's not what it's supposed to be. And how could God ever do anything with this mess? And God's like, oh man, I'm the God of new beginnings, fresh starts. Get rid of that page. Here's a new one. Give it another shot. But we're so good at beating ourselves up. Another thing we can't do is we can't compare ourselves with others. Please. I mean, it's the if only game. Well, I, if I were only smarter, if I were only more talented, or if I was only prettier, or cooler, or stronger, or what if fill in the blank, if I were only, that will keep you from your next step because it's a great excuse not to pursue your goal. Well, I can't do that because, you know, fill in the blank. I can't achieve that because, you know, you remember. I can't go forward because, well, there's that one. No! Go forward. Go forward. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. That's a bottomless pit that you can't ever fill. Because there's always going to be somebody apparently looking or seeming more qualified. Can I let you off the hook? God made you uniquely you. Go ahead and look at your notes. In Psalm 139, verse 14, it says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Some of you are really complex. <laughs> Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. He made you how you are. And that's a cool thing. Otherwise, we would all be the same. And who would, that'd be boring. God made us all unique. There's no one else on this planet that has ever been like you, or is like you, or ever will be like you. You're one of a kind. Celebrate that. Don't compare it. Well, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. We all do it. He's saying don't. The other thing that we got to do is not get offended. This is a dangerous distractor. Because when we're, when we're offended, man, it's, it's tough. It's tough to get us back on track. Because, I mean, we right away go, how in the world could they have done that to me? How could they have said that? How could they have, are they going to do it again? Is it just going to be waiting for me? Let it go. Let it go. File it. You might have to file it in, they were just having a bad day. File it in, they just don't know what they did. Or file it in, I'm never talking to that person again because I think they might, it says that when those cause the, the division, mark them and avoid them. I mean, if someone's giving you problems, give them the gift of goodbye and say, see ya. But don't live in that offense. It's a trap. It's like, it says in the Bible that offense is like a trap. And I think about glue traps when I think about traps because like if something ever gets in it, like the more they try to get out of it, the more they get tangled in it. It's like that glue, having it on you. Being in like a pillow fight or a, or a sandstorm, it's just going to stick to you. It's going to stick and burn like salt in a wound. Shake off the offense. Shake it off. It says in James chapter 3, verse 16, for where there's jealousy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and evil 
of every, every, every kind. That's a big deal. I don't want to walk around offended. I don't want to have every evil kind of thing. Who wants that? No, thank you. Get rid of the offense. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. Don't be offended. Walk forward. Point three, fear is a trap. It's that what if factor. Well, if that happens and this might happen, if that happens, then what about it? It's a trap. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of human opinion disables. Trusting God protects you from that. I want to be protected from being unaffected. Proverbs 29, 25, I love this, says the fear of man will prove to be a snare. A snare is like a little trap that gets sprung and catches the game. I mean, it's like waiting for you. There's traps. Fear is this trap. Fear of man proves to be a snare. It's just this trap waiting for you. Waiting for you to step in it and go pew. Don't be afraid what people think. That fight or flight response is a natural thing, but so often it's not legitimate fear. And if you're overcome by that, Know that in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So if you are overtaken by fear that just seems un, un, not rational and just out there, saying, uh-uh, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm done with that. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I am done with that. And move forward. Kind of like the disciples in the boat crossing the Sea of Galilee. I mean, storms, waves, and all of a sudden they see, they see a, a figure out there in the water. Ah, it's a ghost! <laughs> no, Jesus says immediately to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Jesus, as you know the story, calls out to Peter, come on out to me. Step out of the boat, come to me. And Jesus does. He's the man. But what happens? He's distracted by the real threat of drowning. I mean, there's waves all over. There's probably lightning in the sky. I mean, that's real stuff. I mean, I want to say, hey, Peter, I mean, I would have done the same thing. I mean, I would have been like, ha, ah. But we get so wrapped up in what's around us, we don't see the goal. What is your goal today? What is it? What is it that you're trying to pursue? And there might be some very real waves, wind, storms, lightning all around you. But Jesus is saying, come on, come on, you got this. I'll be there with you through that. So grab a hold of his hand and say, God, I'm going to do this afraid. I'm going to do it anyway, even though I'm a little not sure. That's faith stepping out. But I want you first to focus on Jesus. We're going to pray and ask God to come into our life. It's as simple as saying yes to God through his son, Jesus. It's not any religious exercise. If you're watching today, this is your chance. This is your shot. Ask Jesus into your life. I promise you, it's the most important and the most blessed uh, you could ever be by following Jesus. Sure, all your problems don't magically go away, but you have one that helps you through them all. Let's go ahead and stand up. We're going to pray and take that step of faith and ask Jesus into our life. And if you've done this before, make it a reaffirmation. If you would, please, just repeat the simple prayer out loud with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Right now, I ask Jesus into my heart and into my life, forgive me of all my mistakes. Make me a brand new person and help me to turn 
from all those distractions. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is so good. Make sure you tell somebody, stop by up front and let me know if you made that decision. But, and also, if you're a new believer or if you've been here for a while, we're starting groups. We're starting to sign up for groups next Sunday. Woohoo! So sign up. Go do life with somebody. I mean, it's, you grow in Him, you grow with people, you learn. It's great. Make sure you begin to start signing up for groups next week. But as we dismiss, I just want to say one final prayer over everybody. God, I just pray that whatever is distracting, I rebuke those distractions. Those things that have tried to pull people down, that right now those distractions are rendered harmless and ineffective. That as someone's today even saying, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what's happened. Yeah, you're right. I don't. But God does. And he wants to pull you up out of that. Pull you up out of that and give you a new focus with fresh vision. So Father, I thank you that you're leading, guiding, and blessing. But the person today is like, yeah, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. But he does, and he doesn't see it when you turn from it. He doesn't see it when you're like, God, forgive me. I go forward. And he's like, dust yourself off. Let's go. He's got a mission for you. And let's follow it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Be blessed. Be focused. Amen.